Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Best Friends Forever. Yo! This is the Fantasy Best Friends Forever here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Alongside Frankie Stample, I am Greg Sussman. Frankie! What's going on, man? On the most great long weekend. Fun times. Five long, drafts long since Thursday. Dude. Better yet, how was your weekend, Greg Sussman? I woke up. I think I'm sick, but like I don't. I might just be like sick. I don't know. I think I just might be super dehydrated. To be honest with you, I think that's what it is. We're not drinking yesterday. No, Saturday. I, oh. I was not drinking. Still dehydrated from Saturday, dude. I was a mess yesterday morning. <laughs> I was hungover for quite a while, um, and then I thought I was through it, and then I woke up this morning. and I go, I am, I am not in a good place. And Sounds I have, like me Saturday morning. <laughs> Yes, that's exactly what it was. And, of course, Judy's running around, like, and she's always one that sleeps late and gets hungover, and she's, like, running around the apartment, and I'm sitting there like, oh, my God, what is happening? Life, life is not good. And I have a playoff kickball game tonight, Final Four. Ooh, Mondays. Monday kickball. Monday, Thursday this week, if we make it Thursday. Wow. Uh, yeah, well, our, our number two hitter is out with an injury. He hurt his knee last week. Number two hitter. They're not um, called kickers. What's well, Number two kicker? Fine, kicker. kicker. Yeah, yeah, it's kicker. He's hurt. Uh, so he's not going to play, which is a little scary, but we'll see what we can do, you know? The guy who, uh, the guy who backs you up. Yeah. Beat off, man. He's awesome. That's your guy. It's my guy. It's Gum. Big Jets fan. Watch the show. Good job. Yeah. Saturday was a crazy day. Um, we had our draft. Uh, Frank, of course, showed up late, as he does every year, to every GST draft that we have. I, I think I was there for the first selection. You were there for our first selection, <laughs> not the first selection of the draft, even though it started, supposed to start at 11. Frank got there closer to 12. 11.30. I took an Uber pool, man. You can't control those things. No, you can't. Um, and then I, I had to leave early, uh, as I had more important business to tend to. What kind of business, Greg? Uh, I am also now engaged. Yay! Yes, and that's why we were out drinking on Saturday night. At what point, uh, at one point, everybody in the control room today was engaged. Yeah. Yeah, not married. Not married. Just engaged. Doesn't have a girlfriend. Not single. Engaged. So how has that changed your life? How was it? How did everything go? Everything went great. It went really, really great. Uh, our buddy Steve, who's going to be here a little bit, was fantastic with the pictures. He just sent them to me this morning, so I was able to take a look at them. Sweet. He was awesome with them. Um, she walked in, and we had the front of a restaurant decorated, and she walked right past said decorations. <laughs> and then I popped out, and I was supposed to be at a draft, which is well, I was. It just left early. Um, and she was like, hey, what are you doing here? I'm like, uh, turn around. She turned around to the, direction, the, the decorations, and she's like, I knew it! And I'm like, did you, though? Like, your nails aren't done. You, you have no idea. 
And uh, we, we got the proposal, and then she was just like, oh, my God, this is happening to me. This is me. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> the best part is, in the whole story, she'll kill me for saying this, but I'm going to. So I get down on one knee, and I say some things. She later told me she expected a little bit more out of, out of, the, out of the speech on the knee. I told her, I was like, listen, I mean, I can't even think right now. I wasn't writing a whole, like, paragraph here, a poem. You don't have to say your vows yet. Right, exactly. So I said, you know, a couple of lines. Um, and then, before I can get off on me, she grabs a, the ring, the box of the ring, out of my hand, takes the ring and puts it on her finger herself, and then proceeds to put it, instead of putting it on her ring finger, uh, puts it on her index finger. And she goes, oh my God, oh my God. I'm like, what are you doing? I go, it's on the wrong finger. Oh, and she, and she, she's literally shaking, and she's just like, I, I don't know, I'm not used to this. You gotta handle this. And, and, and about an hour later, we're eating, and, and she's like, did I ever say yes? I'm like, no, but it's cool. <laughs> um, At so, least yeah. you said some things. I mean, when I did it, I was just like, I just said it. Yeah, I didn't, we, I didn't, you know. We were talking to our friends. Speeches or anything, really. We were talking to our friends um, later that night, and she was like, well, at least you were better than, than he was. He got on one knee, and he just, he couldn't speak. He was just like, ah. Uh, yeah, I was like a robot. Were you I, like a robot? Were you a robot, Greg? I wasn't a robot, but I wasn't like as calculated as I normally am or as like f- like moving my hands as normal. I was just in the zone, you know? Yeah. So Any that, shots beforehand to calm the nerves? I was offered quite a few, and I just wanted to be like totally sober for it. Not that a one-shot's going to do anything, but so the problem was I mean, so we had a bottle of champagne there uh, at the restaurant. Went back to our apartment where our families were waiting. Uh, had quite a bit more champagne at that point. And then went to the bar and like took quite a bit of sh- a few shots and drinks and beer and it was just like a whole mixture and that was why it was like disaster. And then of course the the, the second bar then plays the the Bruno Mars song "Marry You" and everyone went crazy. Oh gosh. Yeah, I know. Um, and then I drafted in the morning <laughs> at noon, my head spinning. Oh, the carton um, draft. The carton Sunday draft. morning as yeah. well. Yeah, lots so of lots of drafts. It was a wild, wild weekend. How was your weekend, Frank? Uh, not nearly as eventful as that. Um, Friday was a good time, and then Saturday I had two drafts. Sunday I also had two drafts, and little did I know, I'm a huge Kirk Cousins fan. Ended up with Kirk Cousins in I think four out of five drafts I've done since Thursday. It just seems like he just keeps ending up being the guy that's available when I want to take a quarterback, and yeah, seems like he could take the uh, the elite elite level jump, right? I think because I wasn't in the room on Sunday, uh, I didn't necessarily realize who, who you were, you had. And like, I was shocked when you, you did like, the best tight end on the board were Delaney Walker and Trey Burton. I was like, ah, oh, Frank's clearly going to take Trey Burton to make sure he gets him. Uh, and then I did, and I texted you. I was like, how did you not take him? He's like, dude, I have Zach Ertz. I'm like, oh, okay. Zach Ertz, too. Another guy who's just randomly going yeah. in the fifth round now. Everywhere. Don't Every really draft. Know why. Yeah. Don't really know why. Yeah. Um, we had another Gronk in the league. We didn't see that coming. I ended up with Gronk in two drafts um, that I've done yeah. since I, the Thursday night was the Beat Frank Stanfield draft. And then uh, over the weekend, Saturday, GST, we end up with Gronk again in the middle of the third round. But again, you're getting a, when healthy, borderline first round talent. It's just a matter yeah. of how healthy is he going to be. But you bake that into where he's being drafted. He's going in the middle of the third round. I, I yeah. think that's pretty good value. It's great. Listen, it's great value. And I saw people actually on Twitter uh, talking about it as well. I think it was Evan Silva that was like, hey, I'm not the Gronk guy. It might have been Pianowski. Yeah, it was Pianowski. Okay. He goes, I'm not the Gronk guy, but when he's there in the middle of the third round, you got to pull it. And Oh, because I sent the text to you guys. Because Pianowski started his draft, Kareem Hunt, Keenan Allen, and then Rob Gronkowski. And I was like, and when we were in this draft, we had sixth pick? Seventh. We had seventh pick. And at that point, Antonio Brown was falling, right? 
Yes. And seeing all the running backs go, and it's very interesting watching, and this is now the second consecutive draft where we just saw all the running backs just get pushed up, uh, even ahead of Antonio Brown and DeAndre Hopkins. Um, we see them get pushed up. And I was like, we should take Kareem Hunt. And it was a three-man team, and at that point, both Florio and, and Frank are like, Antonio Brown's the move. And we wound up taking Antonio Brown. And in the second round, I really wanted Keenan Allen um, to pair with Kareem Hunt. Now, Kareem, Keenan Allen was there, but at that point, I did not want to take a chance on Alex Collins being my number one running back, as Frank pushed heavily. Uh, and at that point, Frank got outvoted, and we took Devontae Freeman with our second pick. And then the third round... We were just like, which running back do we want? Which wide receiver do we want? Because we could have went in every direction. And we were about to, I think, probably pull the trigger on Alex Collins, I guess. Um, and then I would just look at the board. And I'm like, holy crap. We're at 3-7, and Gronk is still there. And Frank and I basically looked at each other, and we knew it. Like As soon as I said it, and Frank looked at the board, he's just like, we have to pull this. Like I don't want Gronk in two consecutive drafts, but the value is just too good. We got to do it. So my biggest takeaway, as he mentioned Zach Ertz and I mentioned Gronk, the tight ends, much like the receivers, they're all falling. They're all falling as running backs continue to get pushed up the draft. Whether it's a Royce Freeman, uh, whether it's Jamal Williams, everybody is getting pushed up drafts right now. Uh, and the tight ends are now falling. Gronk in the middle of the third round is incredible value, I think. Ertz in the fifth is a great value. Kelsey in the fourth, it all makes sense to me. Um, that's kind of how our early part of the draft went, Frankie. Yeah, so... Basically, when we took Devontae Freeman in the second round, reminder, this is a full point PPR league. I was telling these guys, let's take Keenan Allen. I wanted Keenan yeah, Allen. I wanted to, to pair up wide Brown receiver, and wide receiver. Yeah. At that point, I think, look, you start Antonio Brown, Keenan Allen, you're going to get 200 plus receptions out of those two guys. Um, so I think if we did that, we probably don't take Gronk in the third. We probably come back and take Alex Collins. So we make sure that we lock down our RB1 in the middle of the third round. But seeing the way things turned out, ultimately, I don't really mind what we did. I'm Again, I'm not a big Devontae Freeman guy. I feel like I, I've been pushing him down a little bit. I'm yeah. worried about him. Not a little bit. You were, I, I want to make this very clear. And I, I mean, could I tell still have it, him ranked it, very highly, like a high-end RB2. So, so. I, which is what we, he's our RB1. But Frank was so angry. Remember we talked about like angry Frank and he comes in here and he's just like really I'm mad. angry Frank. He, he's just like really, really mad. I and mean, Fuller and I joke and he makes him angrier when we joke about that. And there's just certain days where stuff's going on downstairs or in, in his life where he just comes in here and he's angry. So on Saturday, he was very hungover. So he was already in not the best mood. Like once he got some water in him, he was totally fine. He started drinking again. So I was, was drinking again before the draft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so all, all was fine once he got the water in him. But he comes in drunk. He comes in hungover. And then that we get Devontae Freeman. That was as angry as I saw Frank ever. And then the Gronk thing kind of perked him up a little bit. And he was so mad at Devontae Freeman. And I just, all of us, all, in all honesty, couldn't make Alex Collins my RB1. And that's what tore me apart from that pick. Yeah, I mean, ideally you don't want Alex Collins to be your RB1, but you can afford to take the hit at running back when your first two wide receivers are Antonio Brown and Keenan Allen. So that's what I was thinking. But, you know, looking back on it, again, I said the way it turned out it made me feel a little bit better because we got arguably the number one wide receiver. And then we got, not arguably, in my opinion, he is the number one tight end. So we have two of the best players at their positions. We have a solid low-end RB1 in Devontae Freeman. And the reason I worry about him is, look, he's been trending downwards for three straight years now. Uh, the, his usage with Steve Sarkeesian was questionable last year. He was under 40 receptions. This is a PPR league. And you have the concussions on top of all that. So I, I feel like we have all the warning signs right there in front of us for Devontae Freeman, yet we're still taking him in the middle of the second round. Yeah. Um, so, he, whatever. He's a solid low-end RB1. 
Uh, and then we come back around in the fourth round, and we're debating. Well, I want to. I want to actually. I want. I want to stop you. Yeah. Stop you right there, yes. just for a second, um, because one name who has obviously risen from where we started this a while ago. I go back to our top, who's the next Todd Gurley show. It was Christian McCaffrey, right? Like Christian McCaffrey's preseason has made him. It's made him a first-round pick, essentially. Borderline. He went 2-3 in this draft, but he's close to that swing now. He's closer to the swing, and I was talking to my friends on Saturday night, and, you know, normal home league draft, and you're saying all these running backs go and get pushed up, and, the, and because of that, DeAndre Hopkins, Odell Beckham, these guys are falling. People are drafting pretty consistently that I've seen, maybe not in our draft. Christian McCaffrey in a PPR or half-point PPR over Dalvin Cook now, and that was not something that I had previously seen, and they're... He's much closer to Dalvin Cook, it seems like, than he was to Devontae Freeman. I have them back-to-back, and I was really taking Freeman over McCaffrey the whole way. That's not the case anymore. And now, in those half-point PPR and the PPR, I'm closing in on pushing him right past Cook as well. I don't know where I am right now on that, but it's very close. It is very close, and I could see people painting the picture for McCaffrey over Dalvin Cook because if you're buying this Norv Turner, has always had a workhorse running back, um, theory, pretty much, then you think that McCaffrey's going to be the guy. Personally, I still feel like, yes, they haven't used C.J. Anderson all that much in the preseason. He'll still get some work throughout games, uh, but I think there's concerns for both still. Dalvin Cook coming off the ACL, we know how much I like him, uh, but look, both offensive lines are questionable right now, dealing with injuries, even more so the Panthers. Now that can help the reception total for McCaffrey, but I worry about um, his efficiency a little bit more. And I mentioned I... I Generally, don't worry about efficiency with workhorse running backs. I just don't know that. Is Christian McCaffrey really going to get us 230, 240, 250 carries this year? I don't know that that's happening. I don't know that I'm buying that yet. He'll, maybe he's at 200 now, 200 with you know 60 to 70 receptions, and we get that. We get close to that 275 touch mark. But Dalvin Cook, when, you know, when we went over the early round running backs and I painted the picture of how much this Vikings team ran the football last year, it was... 28 carries a game with Latavius Murray and Jarek McKinnon, and then another five receptions per game. We're talking about over 30 touches per game between those two running backs. So even if you're worried about Latavius Murray being there, I think Dalvin Cook is still going to be a lock for 18 to 20 touches per game. Uh, And overall, I just think I like the Vikings offense a little bit more. I think think they're a little bit more balanced. Uh, I like the defense more than the Panthers. They could be playing with more leads. I think it is very close, but I still have Dalvin Cook ranked ahead of McKinnon. You know, it's interesting because you mentioned Latavius Murray and how they split carries with Jarek McKinnon. He split carries with Jarek McKinnon last year. Um, and that's part of the reason people are, are cooling just a bit on Dalvin Cook because Latavius Murray is going to have a role. They, they have kind of said that. And he's going to have this role potentially as a goal linebacker. They've also pointed out to the Vikings' offensive line troubles where they've had some injuries now during the offseason. The Panthers' offensive line troubles are well-documented, but they've just fed Christian McCaffrey so precipitously um, during this preseason, people are overlooking that. And I think both of these guys are just very, very close. And it does scare me if they do give Latavius Murray this goal-line role, which we've seen him have success with both last year and his last year in Oakland. So, you know, are they going to... Are we positive, I guess is my question to you, Frank, are we positive that Dalvin Cook is going to have more touches when it's all said and done than Christian McCaffrey? And if the answer is no, isn't Christian McCaffrey the pick? I am positive of that. Okay. Me, me personally. Okay. I think, I think Dalvin Cook is in that 240, 250 carry range, and then it give, I think he gives you another 40 to 50 reception on top of that, maybe even more than 50. Again, we saw how much they used McKinnon and even Latavius Murray in the past game last year. So I still think 50 receptions is doable for Dalvin Cook. Maybe early on, 
Uh, they've mentioned they're going to use Latavius Murray, but as the season goes along, I think they're going to lean on Dalvin Cook a lot. And you brought up Latavius Murray taking goal line touches away from uh, Dalvin, Dalvin Cook. Cook. Ham Newton, great. Like, we can't overlook that. That's I true. Mean, Christian That's McCaffrey true. didn't get a single goal line carry last year. Now he has converted some in the preseason, but maybe C.J. Anderson gets a few. I'm not going to say that he takes a right. ton. Maybe he takes a few, and then you have to battle with uh, Cam Newton there on the goal line as well. So I think two of those things playing against Christian McCaffrey. I think the touchdown upside is better for Dalvin Cook. I think the overall yardage upside and touch upside is more so for Dalvin Cook. I will say the receptions is clearly in favor of McCaffrey. Though. All right, so it's, it's getting closer, certainly, to where it was just a month ago at this time. Uh, those are some of my early first-round-ish uh, takeaways. Nothing else really surprised me. I guess Stephon Diggs is climbing a bit, and we saw that in yeah, both drafts in that we did. In the middle of the second round. And we, he went at the... He went to the for us, he went in the last second, last pick of the second round because you took him right in the yeah. in the carton draft that we had um, one spot before I was going to take him, and it looks like Stephon Diggs is now going right after AJ Green uh, in that wide receiver tier, from what I'm seeing. Yeah, I would say that's fair to say. And just an update on where Royce Freeman is going. He's solidly cemented in that mid third round. He yeah. went three six in his GSC draft. Yeah, on he Saturday. is. We'll talk more about our draft, the trends that we're seeing in all the drafts we took place this weekend, and we certainly want your calls. 844-843-6879. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your Daily Roto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Well done, Mavona. Well done. It's the Bruno Mars song. Oh. Did you not know that? No, I didn't. What do you, like, listen to? This is everywhere. Not the radio and not pop. Okay. So, everything that Greg Sussman loves, not top 40 hits, not Bruno Mars. Get your season ticket to Fantasy Glory right now. The 2018 Roto Experts Exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package. It's not just a draft kit. It's a full-season package. It takes you from draft day to championship week. It features in-depth analysis from some of your favorite fantasy sports radio experts. Go to Roto Experts. Excuse me. Go to RotoExperts.com. Use the promo code FrankTheTank to get 10% off on the Exclusive Edge Package and set aside a spot on the mantle for that 2018 championship trophy. I'm good for now. There you go. All right. So back to the draft. We're doing the GST. We're just looking at that. And we're looking at trends more than anything else, I'd say. Um, the Stefan Diggs thing really stood out to me. Um, in the third round, as nothing really surprised Larry Fitzgerald's dropping a bit more than I expected. Then he had Josh Gordon go early in the fourth. Now, Josh Gordon returns to practice, almost immediately injures his hamstring. What do you make of Josh Gordon right now? I am not pulling him up to the fourth yet. I think it's tough because you have to react to the draft, and obviously wide receivers are going earlier in this draft because it's three wide receivers, it's PPR, you have a flex play as well. Uh, it's not super flex, so a lot of people are going to be flexing uh, wide receivers. So Josh Gordon gets pulled up the board a little bit here. Uh, but again, when we spoke about Josh Gordon last week, not much has changed for me. I have him in that tier uh, with Jarvis Landry, with, uh, with Allen Robinson, those guys. So, I mean, they're starting to go off the board. Uh, in my opinion, where he went, I would have taken Jarvis Landry over him 
Golden Tate, uh, Chris Hogan, I would have taken over him as well in PPR. I think those guys are just a little bit safer. Again, I like the upside of Josh Gordon, but in the fourth round, it seems a little bit early. I do like the fact that he had Larry Fitzgerald already as his wide receiver one. Uh, but again, I probably want an even safer wide receiver than that if I'm taking Josh Gordon as my wide receiver, too. Yeah, I, I think so, too. The, the injury does scare me off. Obviously, a hamstring isn't necessarily uh, deadly by any means. But not great either. It's not, it's not great either, right? And it's one of those things that can linger. Now, we've seen hamstrings cause people, you know, a week or two. And, and Saquon Barkley certainly looks to be back in full strength. and He'll be fine for opening day. Um, but Josh Gordon's barely practiced. And I'm sure he's in great shape. But, like, guys barely practiced at all with pads on or anything like that. By the time he comes back and maybe he tries to rush back, he may overcompensate and, and hurt something else. And I think that's kind of an issue too. So I'm a little nervous about Josh Gordon. I don't think I can push him up to the fourth either right now. Yeah, I think uh, I think that is fair. We had a few questions, Greg, uh, about where Doug Baldwin is going. I remember we were talking about that last week. We had a discussion, Doug Baldwin versus T.Y. Hilton yeah. in that range. Um, and we saw that Doug Baldwin went with the second pick of the third round. So for people asking, I still think he's in that early to mid third round range. I think we're going to see him go there. Well, I, we, I, I we can saw go back him fall to the the late fourth, which is when I took him on Thursday night. Well, we can go back to Carton, the the Carton draft on Sunday, where we had back to back picks. Yes. I had the first pick, you had the second pick, uh, and to me there were four. I had Todd Gurley, obviously, and you had Le'Veon Bell, um, and there were. Four wide receivers I really liked. And it was Mike, not really like, four wide receivers to me that were better than everybody else, I should say. It was Mike Evans, Stephon Diggs, T.Y. Hilton, and Doug Baldwin. And I thought that was essentially a tier by itself. And the one I wanted the most, as we just said, was Stephon Diggs, who, who moved up. And that was the one you grabbed. And I was having, having a really tough time differentiating between Evans, Hilton, and Baldwin. Like I, I really didn't know which two to pick out of that. Um, I wound up going with Evans and, and Hilton, and to be honest, I don't even know why. I think it's just because Baldwin's still coming back from the injury, and that scared me off a bit. And I think Mike Evans, we, I know I'm not the Mike Evans guy, but we've seen him be the wide receiver one before. And, you know, T.Y. Hilton always has a good connection with Andrew Luck. I think it was really, really close with those guys. I know you have it ranked a little bit differently, um, but that was very tough for me at the 2-3 turn there. Yeah, so Mike Evans versus Stefan Diggs, I think, is very close right now in the late second round. Um, and we've heard, you know, guys like Matt Modica, Corey talk about this on the network is diversifying your, uh, your, your bonds, right? Like not having the same guys on multiple teams and making sure uh, you change things up a little bit. So the day, the day before, um, on Saturday night, I actually took Mike Evans in my home league, and because of that, Sunday morning when we got here, we're debating Stefan Diggs versus Mike Evans. I'm like, you know what? I already took Mike Evans last night. I want okay. to change it up a little bit. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and take Stefan Diggs. Right. And I was with you. I think those guys are pretty much a tier. I think Diggs and Evans is like a, like a toss-up. And then I have Doug Baldwin ranked ahead of two. We had talked about that late last week, that you had, you had switched Baldwin um, and Hilton. Were you confident, and I don't know how much attention you were paying to my draft, were you confident that I would take two of those guys as well? Yeah, I actually told um, Greg Bynan. Your who, partner. Uh, Host of Redfelt Breaks, by the way. Go to blackjadedwolf.com slash FNTSY. You can get your spot in the box break. Yeah, so we were talking about it, and I'm like, I know Greg's going to take Stefan Diggs if I don't take him. Right. And I figured the other player you would definitely take is T.Y. Hilton, so I said, you know what, we'll yeah. take Diggs. Uh, we'll take whoever Greg Which, doesn't take of those right. three wide receivers, and then we'll start you know, Le'Veon Bell and two wide receivers in a right. row. Stefan Diggs, Doug Baldwin, that's what we did. Again, look, people are worried about the knee. I understand it, but everything that we've heard, and I know Pete Carroll is a very optimistic person, but... Everything we've heard says Doug Baldwin will be ready for totally, week one. Totally. Baldwin has, has said that himself. Uh, he's been running already. So all those things are very encouraging. And I, I told you that before the injury, I was very, very bullish on Doug Baldwin because 
Jimmy Graham is gone. Paul Richardson is gone. Yeah. The rest of the wide receiver core, we have a, what we think is a washed-up Brandon Marshall. We have an off-injured Tyler Lockett. Um, really no fantasy-relevant tight end. They have Nick Vanette there, but I think there's a chance that Doug Baldwin could just be peppered with targets, just have this monstrous volume year where we're looking at like 150-plus targets, and if that happens, he's going to give you, you know, 12, 1,300 yards, and he's going to flirt with double-digit touchdowns. I, I really do like him. I think the injury scared me off a little bit, but I'm, I'm getting back to that place where I feel very, very strongly about Baldwin again. Yeah, I, I get it. I completely get it. You always drafted Doug Baldwin in the past because he was safe. And as long as he's healthy, he's going to be safe. He's a safe top 12 wide receiver. Yeah. He consistently does that. And now you couple that in with, I think he has even more upside now. You know, he has the 14 touchdown year. But Russell Wilson leaned on Jimmy Graham in the red zone. He doesn't have Jimmy Graham anymore. Who's the next guy up that he leans on mostly? And not just in the red zone, just overall. It's Doug Baldwin. So I think, I think we could see a double-digit touchdown year out of Doug Baldwin. Yeah, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't disagree with any of that. So then going back to our draft in the middle of the fourth round, as we're seeing wide receivers get called, uh, pushed up, um, that's where Chris, with Chris Hogan, right? And Chris Hogan was a fifth rounder just a week or two ago, and we saw him really, really get pushed up. Um, and so much so that we were in the middle of the fourth round, and we're like, man, which wide receiver do we take, Chris Hogan or Golden Tate? And, and you're like, hey, I'm the Hogan guy. And I really... I didn't have a lean. I thought this was very, very tough. And just being in that PPR league and the fact that we already had Gronk, not that you don't want to double up on a New England offense, but kind of led me toward Golden Tate. I didn't feel strongly either way, um, but we did wind up drafting Golden Tate. It's my only share of him uh, thus far. What do you think of Golden Tate and Chris Hogan, that debate? Yeah, I do think it was very close. My problem with taking Chris Hogan there where he had him was Taking Freeman, Gronk, and Chris Hogan three picks in a row, that is a lot of injury risk to take on. Yeah. Devontae Freeman with the concussions. We've already spoke about that. Gronk, uh, he's had so many ailments in his career already, so you know he's been injury-prone, but when he's on the field, he is the best tight end. And then Chris Hogan, uh, you know, a guy who hasn't played 16 games yet in his career either. He only played nine games last year. So as much as I love the upside of Chris Hogan, I think there's a lot of risk there. I think given who we took in the second and third with Freeman and Gronk, we come back in the fourth and take that safe wide receiver in Golden Tate to yeah. pair with Antonio Brown. Again, for PPR, he's going to give you 90 receptions. He's going to give you over 1,000 yards. That He's going to be in that four to six touchdown range. Uh, maybe the touchdowns, maybe there's a chance they go up. No Eric Ebron this year. That's what you would hope. That's the optimistic way of looking at Golden Tate. Uh, but it was really Golden Tate versus Hogan. And if we were looking at running back, we were debating Derrick Henry. Uh, but again, in a PPR league, full-point PPR, doesn't catch a lot of passes. We we went with the, we, we the felt, safe 90 receptions. We ultimately Tate. felt pretty strongly, I think, at that time we were going to go wide receiver with, with Hogan or Tate. Like um, We did consider Henry really more in the third than we did in the fourth. And uh, Henry later went in that fourth round. Chris Hogan went in the fourth round. Uh, nothing else really surprising in that fourth round, I thought, besides Corey Davis being in that conversation right now. Uh, Corey Davis... The hype is real. Once again, everyone buying in on the Corey Davis speculation. Uh, were you surprised to see him go this early? I'm not. Uh, again, like Chris Hogan, uh, he's getting pushed up the draft board. You know, they were, there were reports last week that he was, you know, they're lining him up all over the field. They're trying to find creative ways for to get him open. He's going to be the focal point of their passing attack as well. Um, so, look, I feel like where you're drafting him now in the fourth round, you're really paying for his ceiling. Like, you need him to hit yeah, absolutely. to pay off in that fourth round. So, me I personally... Just don't, I'm sorry for interrupting yep. you. I, I just don't know how you could, you could draft the Corey Davis over... Use Chris Hogan as the example. Because we've seen Chris Hogan go off in the New England offense. Like, we haven't seen Corey Davis do anything. I think it's scary. I think it's a scary pick. 
Yeah, I, look, I think you can make the argument for both guys going in the fourth round. Chris Hogan, we again, we haven't seen him stay healthy, and we're projecting him to take on more of a, a, a role now that Brandon Cooks isn't there. We think he's going to be the number one wide receiver for the Patriots. Um, and again, much stronger offense. So you can buy a little bit more so into Chris Hogan going in the fourth than Corey Davis. But if you're a believer in Corey Davis getting you know volume, being the number one target, and his talent... You, you, you couple that opportunity in with the fact that we think he's a very, very talented wide receiver, and ultimately that's what ends up pushing him up the board into the fourth round. I don't know that I would do it. I had another draft last night. I got him in the fifth round. Um, but, yeah, again, in a PPR league where the wide receivers are getting pushed up the draft board, I'm not really surprised to see it happen. So, moving, continuing on with our draft, just to give you an idea of where people went. Uh, we're in the middle of the fifth round. We don't have an, an RB2. And now for the second consecutive, um, not second consecutive, but second draft uh, that I did this, uh, we took Mark Ingram in the middle of the second round. We were looking at the running backs, and um, we had debated Marshawn Lynch, Carlos Hyde, uh, and, and Jamal Williams was out. Jamal Williams, Carrion Johnson were both out there as well. And we looked, and we're like, okay, maybe we can pair up a... Mark Ingram with Carlos Hyde, ideally, was the, was the idea there. Um, Frank pushed for Carlos Hyde at that spot. Uh, I think we all were okay. We, were, we all liked Carlos Hyde. We all liked, we all liked everybody, really, at the spot. We were completely on the same page. Um, what made us take Mark Ingram here? I think, look, I think the fact that we knew which running backs were left on the board at that time, it was the middle of the fifth round. So there was Lynch, there was Carlos Hyde. Uh, there was Carryon Johnson, there was Deion Lewis, there was Jamal Williams. So we knew there was at least five running backs left that we liked, that if they fell back to us in the sixth round, we can pair that running back with Mark Ingram. We know that when Ingram uh, returns, he's still going to have his role on this team. I don't think that, you know, Kamara is just going to go ahead and take over. I think um, Kamara will see an uptick in touches, but Ingram was very, very effective for this team. Uh, he's looked all right in the preseason, and... You know, he was their goal line runner last year. He had more of those than Alvin Kamara. So I think in that potent offense, you still like Mark Ingram a lot. And then what we were able to pair him with, which is something you love doing, Greg, and for your second draft in a row yeah. pulling this off, it's getting Mark Ingram and pairing him with uh, Jamal Williams, which is something we've been telling people to do. Yeah, I didn't think I'd become the Jamal Williams guy. I, I have. I have Jamal Williams everywhere. I, I think I absolutely love the guy. What I really liked in this draft was the ability um, to take Aaron Jones a, a few picks later. I, I thought uh, we get really good value there. I saw somebody, I got a text message actually uh, this morning about this. Let me find it. That uh, Matthew Barry in Love Hate said he believes Aaron Jones could be this year's Alvin Kamara. And I'm like, okay, cool. Well, if he does it, we have him. And I think that is beneficial. As I was looking at our bench when I came in this morning, we did really, really well with the depth later on. Like, I really like how our team turned out. Uh, and I think Jamal Williams, if the hype is real, uh, it could come out um, something really special. So I really liked what we did here. And I, I really liked pairing Ingram and Jamal Williams. And it kind of went um, exactly the direction that we were hoping it would. And it's funny because when we were in the sixth round, when we were taking Jamal Williams, we weren't sure which guy to take there. We wanted, again, Jamal Williams. Um, and I really wanted Robert Woods. I hadn't had a share of Robert Woods, who is my guy. I hadn't had a single share of him all off se all, all season long. And when he was coming toward us in the seventh round, I was just praying he would get there. Um, we saw Mike Williams go right ahead of him. Randall Cobb, um, basically one, two, three, four, six receivers go directly before Robert Woods, none of them being him. And I was just thrilled to immediately just jump on that one, uh, which you guys were nice enough to let me have. 
Yeah, no, I think Robert Woods is a very, very strong wide receiver three, especially in PPR. I, I've moved him down a little bit because we're getting a little bit more hype with Cooper Cup, and I think the fact that they signed Brandon Cooks to that extension, he will have more of a role in this offense. So maybe Cooks, uh, maybe Robert Woods, he's a little bit of a downtick this year, but I think he was a very, very safe possession receiver for Jared Goff one season ago. Um, so I like that a lot. I, I think that's he's very fine as your wide receiver three in PPR. So looking at our wide receivers, Antonio Brown, Golden Tate, Robert Woods is your three wide receivers. And then our running backs end up being Freeman. We'll wait for Mark Ingram to get back. We have Jamal Williams. But then we also have the best tight end in the game in Rob Gronkowski. So I don't really have a problem with the way uh, this worked out. Uh, I think... I think we executed pretty well. I think so, too. I think if you look at the quarterbacks, I know we've had some questions about that. Um, Aaron Rodgers winds up going in the middle of the fourth round, which is uh, certainly later um, than expected and, and probably will be in your league. The middle of the fourth round, it is an expert's draft. And we, had, we actually had said that after we, took, um, after we took Gronk in the third, we had said if Aaron Rodgers gets back to us in the fourth, like we're seriously going to have to consider that. Uh, he went one pick before us, so we didn't. And it was fine. Um, the next quarterback, I believe, was Russell Wilson two rounds later in the sixth, in the middle of the sixth round. The quarterbacks did not go nearly as fast as even, uh, nearly as, yeah, as fast as I actually thought. Even though it's an experts league and quarterbacks always get pushed down, I still thought they'd go a little bit earlier. Uh, we took the, our last elite quarterback in the middle of the eighth round. We got Cam Newton, which we were pretty pumped about. Yeah, and we didn't really know what position we were leaning there at that point. But, you know, once you see, we saw Carson Wentz go off the board, we saw Andrew Luck go off the board. All before Cam Newton in the eighth round, to me, you know, I still have Cam Newton ranked inside my top four. I think he's part of that elite group. You have some question marks about the offensive line, but we saw that work to its advantage last year with another mobile quarterback in Russell Wilson. Wilson had a terrible, terrible offensive line last year, um, and because of that, he had to run more, and yeah. he had more rushing production, and then you couple that with the fact that Cam Newton has the best weapons of his career. He has Greg Olson returning. He has Devin Funches. They draft DJ Moore. Christian McCaffrey is going to catch a ton of passes out of the backfield. Even Curtis Samuel has looked good in the preseason here too. So, you know, another gadget player that they can use. I love getting Cam Newton in the eighth round. I think that's fine value. Again, you know, we were really value-based draft here. Um, we didn't come into this draft thinking we wanted Gronk in the third round. But when he lasts that long, you just say, look, there's a point where the value is too good. You take Gronk, and in the eighth round, again, at the quarterback position, the value is just too good. You just don't pass up on an elite quarterback like Cam like that. We mentioned Josh Gordon a little bit earlier on. Hugh Jackson has already said that Josh Gordon will not start the opener uh, for Cleveland. He may play. He may play. He will not start even if he's 100%. Week one. Week one. The regular season. Correct. That's, that's tough because, obviously, you don't want to get off to a slow start in fantasy. So, you know, you take Josh Gordon in that fourth, fifth-round range— as your second or third wide receiver, it's easier to swallow that pill when he is your third wide receiver. But again, like we see here, a lot of people are ending up with Gordon as their second wide receiver. And the fact that he's not going to start, and we know that in week one, um, it's a little bit tougher to pull that trigger there in the fourth round. Yeah, it is. And you just know, even if he's 100%, he's not going to start. Again, that might not mean anything. I mean, he might come off the bench after one play and, and play a full yeah, game, right? You get two receptions in the red zone and have two touchdowns. Yeah, exactly. So I just wanted to give uh, the full information, essentially, of what we had. Um, kind of looking more at the GST draft, and we'll go on to the next draft in a second here, Frank. Um, we drafted Kelvin Benjamin in the ninth, which I know you liked. I pushed for Marquise Lee, which would have been a disaster. Um, so I'm happy we, we went with the very next pick, by the way. We went with the very next pick. That that would have been very, very frustrating. 
Uh, we survived it. Marquise Lee out for the year. When we come back, we'll talk about who you want to replace Marquise Lee with and which of these Jaguars wide receivers. Because we took a shot on one of them. And hopefully it's the right one. We'll talk about that when we come back. Fantasy Sports Network. It's your Fantasy BFFs. Are you between the ages of 13 and 22 and love fantasy football? Then GM Genius is for you. GM Genius is the only fantasy football scholarship competition giving students a chance to play fantasy football and pay for your education. GM Genius won FSTA's Rookie of the Year Award in 2017 and has already awarded over $25,000 in scholarships. Go to GMGenius.com today and turn your fantasy football love into a scholarship. Awesome. Awesome. How does it make you feel, Greg? Not great, man. Why didn't we do this when you, when you got I don't know. You get special treatment. You're the boss. Yeah, so. <laughs> Something like that, I guess. Uh, I want to remind you, go to head on over to dailyroto.com because they're putting more than 25 grand on the line for subscribers this NFL season. Entering paid contests on FanDuel and bringing you along for the free roll. Have the chance to win big this year alongside Sports Grid CEO Jeremy Stein, one of the only men to have won two separate million-dollar prizes. Each week, we'll select lucky subscribers to sweat with us and split 50% of the profits. No profits that week? All good. Your name will get tossed back in the hat the following week. Head on over to dailyroto.com slash sweat and learn how to get in on the action and your share of $25,000. That's dailyroto.com slash sweat. Also want to remind you that Fantasy Factor is the only exclusively single-entry DFS site. They keep free rolls registering all the time and great promotions for free prizes. Keep it a lookout for Fantasy Factor's free million-dollar survivor contest, opening up about a week before NFL kickoff. Go to FantasyFactor.com. That's FantasyFactor.com. State restrictions do apply. Frankie, I mentioned Marquise Lee went one pick after we selected Kelvin Benjamin in the draft. Uh, Lee, moments later, essentially shredded up his knee, and he just plays on injured reserve, expected to miss the entire season. I was pushing for a Jacksonville receiver before that because we didn't know who would emerge. All four of them were on the board for a while before Marquise Lee went, and then Moncrief, D.D. Westbrook, and Keelan Cole stayed for a very, very long time. Uh, you and I believe our, our third to last round uh, wound up taking Dante Moncrief. Um, second to last. Second to last round you took him. Uh, you picked defense before that? Yes, the Denver Broncos. I just wanted to lock that up because I'm very bullish on them as well. Okay. I feel like people are sleeping. You know, they're sleeping on the Cardinals. That's the defense you want to own. Look, Greg, we subscribed to the Nando theory. We did. Before the weekend started, and we mentioned who do the Cardinals face on Sunday night. They face a decimated Cowboys offensive line. What did the Cardinals go out and do last night? Decimate them. They decimated the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. That defense looks strong, too. Yeah, I, I think so, too. Cardinals and Broncos. I think people are just forgetting about them. I agree with you. Um... Actually, I've drafted the Broncos in a few places now, actually. Yeah, look, whenever you have elite pass rushers like that, Bradley Chubb and Von Miller together, I mean, right. Even it's he, just a nightmare. And Chris Harris is still there, teams. too. I know like, Akeem Tlaib is not, but Harris is. Yeah, Chris Harris is a very, very strong player, too. Yeah. So, anyway, um, Marquise Lee goes down, and all I've read about on Twitter is Keelan Cole. And, and J.J. Zacharyson over at FanDuel was literally like, Keelan Cole season! And I'm like, wow, everybody is super-duper high on Keelan Cole. And, and for me, I'm just like, number one, I'm following the money with Dante Moncrief. I've said that to you before the Marquise Lee injury. I'm saying it after. Like, they went out and paid this guy. And I think he was starting already in two wide receiver sets. 
Moncrief's still starting, obviously, in two wide receiver sets. The other spot is going to belong to either D.D. Westbrook or Keelan Cole. I think both are talented. Obviously, Westbrook had the off-the-field problems, which dropped his draft stock, but he really went off last preseason. I think now that he's healthy, given a full role, he could turn out to be the guy if there ultimately is a guy in Jacksonville, given how much they run the ball. Frank, out of Dante Moncrief, Keelan Cole, and D.D. Westbrook, which one would you rather have? If I had to choose one, it would be Keelan Cole. And I think you just look at what he did last year. He actually led this team in receiving with 748 yards, only had three touchdowns, but he did that uh, only getting 81 targets. So, you know, he had a bunch of uh, deep passes down the field. He had uh, 11 receptions of 20-plus yards, also led the team in that category. It wasn't close. The next closest, Marquise Lee had six receptions of 20-plus yards. Uh, He averaged 17.8 yards per reception. So, Look, he's six foot one. I think he's a good combination of size, speed. He can get down the field. He's dynamic. Can make uh, the deep catch. He can. They can also use him in the red zone. Uh, he had a solid uh, postseason as well. So I think you know that's why people are starting to hype up Keelan Cole. He's like he's like a metrics guy, like where you look into the advanced numbers and he okay. actually looks really good. But if you watch him play, he also looked really good. Ultimately, if he starts to get pushed up the draft board too much. I, I don't want much exposure of the Jaguars passing offense regardless because, again, it could be frustrating. It could be D.D. Westbrook. It could be Dante Moncrief. Uh, they drafted D.J. Chark for a reason, too, yeah. so people were talking him up as well. If I had to take one, it would be Keelan Cole. But if you wanted exposure to the Jaguars passing offense for whatever reason, I don't know why, just take the one that's going latest in drafts. Like If you're in a draft and you see the other two go between Westbrook and Keelan Cole or vice versa— just take whichever one you can get cheapest. Uh, but if I had to choose one, it would be Keelan Cole. I get it. I get it. That, that, and that's reasonable, too. Uh, I know one of the top handcuffs that you've been in on all offseason here, Frank, has been um, Chase Edmonds. You, you love Chase Edmonds out there in Arizona. Uh, good news for you, not great news for the Cardinals. Uh, DJ Foster, who is another running back competing for that backup job behind David Johnson, uh, tours ACL. Last night. He was carted off last night, too. Now it's official that he tore his ACL. So Chase Evans really locked in as that handcuff uh, to David Johnson. And if David Johnson does have another injury, you're, you're basically getting potentially an RB2 right there in Chase Evans. Yeah, and I think that was the case all along. I think they like Chase Edmonds a lot. I think he's very dynamic in what he can do, uh, both on the ground and as a receiver. We know coming out of Fordham, Emory Hunt loved this guy, talked him up. And the player Emory Hunt talked up last year, Tariq Cohen, uh, came out of nowhere and started performing for the Bears as well. So you trust the scouting of Emory Hunt, of course. Um, and everything that they've said about Chase Edmonds is that they love him. And, you know, we're starting to see these handcuffs actually go up the draft board a little bit more based on what they're doing in preseason. John Kelly had a big preseason game. Yeah, so I was really uh, frustrated. went was, off the board early. I was really, 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 Connor. I was really frustrated about John Kelly. Um, in, I didn't get Connor either, and I was Carton, a bell owner. Right. In, in Cartonsley, we had actually, I have a partner, and I was talking to, to him about Kelly, and we were taking Kelly with our next pick, and he went right in the middle of the round. Like, oh my Same God. thing with John, James Connor because it kind of set it off, because someone took John Kelly, and then it was Mike Blewett and Dane sharing a team, and it's my own fault. Like, I, I'm not blaming them a bit. Like, I'm blaming myself. Um, he went in the 14th round. I, I think I chose to take Theo Riddick. I just wanted a little yeah. bit more uh, PPR ru- running back depth right. rather than just take a handcuff. So I took Riddick in, I think it was like the 13th. And then coming back in the, the 14th, 14th yeah. James Conner didn't make it to me. And anytime you're a Lev Bell owner, you need to have the Steelers backup running back. And it's, it's crazy because at that spot, you picking right before me in that 14th round, I thought for sure you'd wind up taking Chase Edmonds because you're your guy, and you didn't. And I, I was surprised by that one. I don't remember who we ended up taking in the 14th round of that draft. Obviously, I mean, there's so many. 
Yeah. It's like just a lot of drafts. But yeah, no, I like I like taking all three. I think it makes sense, especially if you do uh, own their counterparts. But even if you don't, just late in drafts, if you want to take a shot on someone, uh, if anything happens to these players, David Johnson with Chase Edmonds, uh, Lev Bell with James Conner, if anything happens to their the, the person above them on the depth chart, they're going to have serious, serious roles here. Yeah, uh, right before me, you took Buck Allen. You took Buck Allen over Chase Edmonds. I think, again, what we were thinking is just getting PPR depth. Would you have taken your boy Des Bryant that round? You made, oh, that, that's another <laughs> conversation we need to have. Oh, God, Greggy, come on, don't kill me. I, I'm not killing you. We had, we had a bit of a, a conversation, a, a fight, you could call it, disagreement. Yeah. Because in our GST draft, the expert draft over the weekend, we got to, I, be, I don't want to be, you know, make it. 14th round. We got, was it the 14th round? Yes, sir. All right. I feel a little bit better about it, right? No. <laughs> we got to the, the 14th round, and I, I think I, again, was, was pushing for these Jaguars wide receivers. And, again, there, there's not much on the board here. And the next wide receiver off the board was Ryan Grant. Um, Albert Wilson. You like him, Greg? I push for, push for Frank Gore. Paul Richardson. Is he still on the board at this point? Yeah. see Nunwa. I push for Frank Gore at this point. Yeah, we got Frank Gore two rounds later. We did. <laughs> but... We wound up taking Des Bryant in the middle of the 14th round. I could not understand it because Frank was just like, so he pushed it really hard. I'm like, this guy has had one visit since he was released, and it wasn't, he wasn't signed. Why are we wasting a draft pick on him? He's like, yo, it's Des Bryant. I'm like, that's not sucks. wasting a draft pick if it's the 14th round, Greg. What a Frank Gore. This is a guy that was going in the second round of drafts last year, and I know he does. He's not on a team yet. He hasn't signed, but... If he does end up somewhere, even if it's once the season starts, once an injury takes place, what does it matter? It was the 14th round, and I named the wide receivers that were available. There wasn't much uh, left anyway, and we got him as our wide receiver six. So I think at that point, whatever, you take a shot. We were asked by Chris Vicaro, the commissioner uh, and owner of the, G- of the GST, uh, how soon we'll drop him. I said before week one. He informed me there were no waivers before week one. Uh, so I responded right immediately following week one, which Frank had never rebuttal to. I don't. I still don't have one. 844-843-6879. Let me go to you. I want to go to Billy in California. What's up, Billy? Do we have Billy? Billy! Hey, Billy. What's up, man? Hey. Um, last night we did the draft, and I kind of wanted to call you. I, I went a couple Bears players, and I just kind of listening to you guys. I, I got Allen Robinson at, like, pick 70. Um, I don't know why nobody picked him. I, I ended up with Chris Howard. Um, or forgive me, not Chris Howard. Let me go back. Jordan here. Howard. Jordan Howard. Yeah, I ended up getting Jordan Howard on the third because I was picked three. So David Johnson um, and, gosh, Devontae Adams, and then ended up getting Jordan Howard as the RB2. Um, I didn't get Tariq Cohen, so I don't have it. I'm a full-point PPR, um, 12-team, and two running back, two wide receiver. Is there any kind of depth in the pass catching back? Because I don't, I mean, besides him, I ended up getting uh, Alex Collins or, yeah, from Baltimore, and then Jones the second from Tampa Bay. I got later on because nobody grabbed him. In your opinion, are these Chicago guys trustworthy, and, and should I try and, you know, formulate something for more of a pass catching back on the back end of my roster? I think you're absolutely fine, man. I like, Jordan Howard, even if he catches 30 to 35 balls this year, the fact that you have David Johnson, who should, if he's healthy, catch 60, 70 plus, I think that kind of mitigates the fact that Jordan Howard isn't going to catch all that many passes. But regardless, what Howard's going to do on the ground as a rusher and in terms of scoring touchdowns, it's kind of similar to the reason we love Ezekiel Elliott is 
he's still going to produce as a rusher and scoring touchdowns. So I think that'll kind of make up for the fact that he's not catching many passes. And you still got Alex Collins uh, and Ronald Jones as well. You worry about those guys catching the ball. But again, as your RB3, RB4, I'm perfectly fine with that. I think you did a good job. 844-843-6879. We continue on the phones and hit up Fantasy Smitty out in Rochester. What's up, man? Hey, fellas. Congratulations Thank you. on the engagement. Um, I crushed it at a draft. It was a $100 league. I almost felt guilty listening to people draft because they were so far away from what they should have been doing. But my question is, at what point, how many players would you trade to get a top 10 player? Because my bench has Royce Freeman, Sammy Watkins, Killian Johnson. My third running back is Lamar Willer after Chris McCaffrey, Le'Veon Bell, and A.J. Green's my number one wide receiver, Marvin Jones number two. How many of those guys would you package to get one of the top 10 to solidify maybe that second wide receiver spot or the flex? I think this is a good question because I do agree. I love A.J. Green. I love the running back depth that you ended up with. Even your starting running backs, they're all phenomenal. Uh, But ultimately, you want to be stronger than Marvin Jones, I think, as your wide receiver too. I don't think it's terrible by any means, but uh, if you had to give up like a Sammy Watkins and a Royce Freeman to get I'm just throwing a name out there, a Devontae Adams or a Stephon Diggs, one of those second-round wide receivers. Um, I think because you have the depth, you can pull something like that off, but you're probably going to have to pair one of your wide receivers with one of these depth running backs you have, whether it's carry-on, whether it's Royce Freeman. Obviously, you would want to start lower. Pair Watkins and carry-on out there and just kind of float it out, see what kind of wide receiver you can get in return. Uh, But then if you have to up the ante, maybe you pair – Sammy Watkins with a Royce Freeman to try and get one of those second-round wide receivers, Greg. We'll continue taking your calls as we sign off on video for today. Remember, you can listen to our podcast, and if you hear the full program, on, on demand at any time. Sign up on iTunes, SoundCloud, wherever you download your podcast. Give us five stars, leave a comment, and we would strongly, strongly appreciate it. Of course, uh, you can also listen to us live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. We appreciate you. The Fantasy Football Frenzy comes your way next. We continue on the phones right now, and we hit up Michael in Texas. What's up, Michael? How's it going, fellas? Uh, two quick questions. One in regards to running back, one in regards to defense. So with running back, uh, I see Al- I drafted Alex Collins in the third round, but I have this iffy feeling about him being in the timeshare with Kenneth Dixon. Just, just asking what y'all think about that. And then my defensive question is in regards to week one. I didn't draft the defense, so I need to stream. So it's between the Titans' defense against the Dolphins, Atlanta's defense against the Eagles. The Eagles look terrible this preseason. And the Cardinals' defense against uh, the Redskins. So that's my question. I'll take the defensive side of it. We were just talking about defense that impressed us. And it's the Atlanta, uh, Arizona Cardinals. Excuse me. They've just been ferocious all preseason um, with sacks, with turnovers. And it, although it's not all the first team, of course, it just shows you the style of play. Uh, give me the Cardinals against Washington. Even though the Titans are a better matchup with Miami, uh, the ferociousness of Arizona will get you more points doing the other things. So I'll take the Arizona defense. Is other question, Frank? Uh, first of all, I agree with you, and I think there's a chance you pick up the Arizona Cardinals and they perform in Week 1. Not only that, they could, there's a chance they could be an elite defense this year, a top-five-style defense, so I would pick up them as well. As for Alex Collins, I understand why some people might be a little hesitant about what we've seen from him in the preseason and coupled with the fact that Kenneth Dixon has looked so good um, and Buck, uh, Buck Allen has looked good as well, but I think it's even more so telling that the Ravens, to me, are treating him like their workhorse starting yeah. running back because they're not using him in the preseason. 
I think the fact that they're protecting him, like you see these teams, Todd Gurley hasn't been playing, Ezekiel Elliott hasn't been playing. Why aren't the Ravens playing Alex Collins? To me, it's because he is their workhorse running back. And if I'm wrong, look, I will be eating my words because I have been pumping Alex Collins up into the third round. Greg, I wouldn't be surprised if the reason Alex Collins is going in the third round of drafts right now is solely because of me. <laughs> so you are you saying Alex Collins is your Blake Snell? Is that fair? Alex Collins is my Blake Snell. Although, look, I don't know that we'll ever get a better call than the one Michael Florio made. Potentially the Cy Young Award winner. It might be the, the best AL. call we, we've ever had on the BFFs. Yeah. We, because we, we all made that call, Greg, because we are a collective unit. Of course, you're right. With the ta- we're, we're, we're also one quarter of one half of the tag team champions. That's right. The NXT, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we were there cheering on EY well, in the we, crowd we, we, when we he won the NXT. Cheer, we weren't there cheering. We were there because we, 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 we were part waiting. of the team. We were yeah. waiting to get tagged in. Right. Uh, he just never really never, needed never, us. He never tagged us, which yeah. is cool. It was, I mean, you look really good out of a hot tag, Greg. I think I would, too. Yeah. Yeah. You'd, Florida you'd, would look you'd good. you like the ring on fire. I think so, too. I think so, too. Let's continue on with Junior in the Bronx. What's up, Junior? Hey, how you doing? Doing well, man. What's going on? All right. I'm in a 12-team half-point PPR, and everybody went running back heavy. I wanted to grab one of those workhorse running backs, but I ended up with Beckham sitting at 12, Hopkins at 13, and then T.Y. Hilton in the third round. All these guys was gone. And my running backs is Royce Freeman, Jamal Williams. I have Sony Michelle and Rashad Penny. I can only roster four running backs. Um, can I survive the storm? And that's my question. I think it's easier to survive with Royce Freeman and Jamal Williams when you have these elite-level talent wide receivers to start your draft. I mean, to get T.Y. Hilton at the end of the third round because obviously you started OBJ and Hopkins uh, at 12-13, I, I think that's a good job, man. Like Again, like we said, there comes a point in every draft where if the value is too good, you just can't pass up on it. So, look, you might have to make a trade at some point. I don't know if your league allows trading. We, we drafted in a few leagues this weekend that you, we don't have trading. But if someone gets hurt at the wide receiver position and you have these elite-level guys, there's a chance that someone will come knocking for your T.Y. Hilton and then maybe you turn that into a top-12 running back. I think you can survive when you have that talented of a wide receiver group because they can honestly just carry your team there. And there you go. There you have it. The latest and the greatest from all the expert leagues that we've participated in uh, over the weekend in our home leagues, too, because I think the good balance is important. Coming up next, it's the Fantasy Football Frenzy for Frank Stample. My name is Greg Sussman. Thank you so much for watching and listening to the Fantasy BFFs. We'll do it all again tomorrow. We hope. We hope.